good morning. It's good to be with you, and it's really special to have my mom and dad here. And uh, also my dear brother, Chris Pearton from Anderson. Many of you have heard of Chris before and uh, know that he's a friend of mine. But for those of you who don't, um, we met through uh, a mutual friend from work. Um, he's a painter and I, you know, we do roofing. So we ended up meeting up on the same job and, and uh, that would have been that, except we ended up um, sharing the same spirit. And so that formed a friendship that has turned into uh, a, a one that will last a lifetime. And it's also really good to have uh, Uncle Dallas and Judy here this morning. So and there, I know there's others I've missed, but uh, I'm glad for each one of you that's here. And it's a new year. What, what do you talk about? I really like what Sam mentioned. The title for my, my talk this morning, I'm, I'm going to fall short of calling it a message, but uh, the title's pretty fresh for me. Uh, Holly Beth and I were having a conversation about what they were going to discuss in their Sunday school class, and she made this comment talking about maybe a mindset or an attitude. She said, let's be unique. In her, she just kind of said it in passing, but it slammed into my head. And I said, that is, that is a really, really neat quote. I love it. The play on words there, let's be unique. Have you ever heard of something like that before? Let's be unique. Uh, I love the irony of that, that statement. And uh, that's a reflection of humanity, isn't it? When you think about it, let's be unique. Everyone wants to be special. Even, and for you young people, even the biggest, toughest men love to be special. We love to have worth. We like to be valued. We like to be unique. That's just in us as humans. We want to be unique. And, but really, we're not. When you look at the waves of history, Humans are humans, and they've always been humans, and they'll always be humans. And so there's nothing unique about being human. And all of the things that we like to do that seem unique, the way that we dress, the, the culture we actually find ourselves in, our favorite pair of shoes, uh, our, our best sweater that we pick out before we go places, and all of the decisions we make uh, with our hair, I have a lot of those decisions removed from my life, but we want to be unique, but we're not unique, right, as humanity. Now, no one is like you. You're a person that, that is unlike anyone that's ever been created. So it's, there's a truth and an untruth. It's maybe a little paradoxical, let's be unique. But that's what I chose for my title then, this morning. What I want us to think about, thinking of a year out ahead of us. Is 
is the thought of coming back to our original intent for living. We were created, and so therefore there was, there was a position that we were created in. We weren't just created at random through random processes and just came to be because we were just part of the lineup. We were, that's not even a reflection of creation. Uh, when somebody creates you, when you create something, there's intent and there's purpose behind the creation because frankly, for us to create something, it takes a lot of work. And we, a lot of thought goes into it to create. And you know, I think we can think the same thing about God. We can tend to think, well, he just created with the spoken word. How easy would that be? And if we could create things with our spoken word, well, it wouldn't be any work at all. But I don't think that's the case. To create something takes thought, takes intent, and there's a purpose behind it. It's not worth your time if you're, not, if you're going to create something that's meaningless. Obvious things, of course, when we think of creation, but where are you at in 2024? Are you in the position you were created to be in? And exactly what is that position? I want to pass something around. Um, Colby, can you come up here? I've got some flowers here. And uh, just realizing now that there's actually two. So uh, why don't we... I'd like to pass these around. Um, but I don't want anybody to be scared of handling someone else's germs or anything like that. But, you know, if you don't want to handle it, just stick your hands in your pockets and tell them to go across to you. But you can, you can start them here and go, Ross, can you come up here too? You can start them over there and start passing it down that road. This flower is going to get the point across just fine. Uh, and even though it's different than that one. And uh, I want you, when you're looking at those, um, to pause long enough that you could uh, live out the definition of consider. Does that make sense? That gives you kind of an idea of how long you should hold the flower before you pass it on. Um, briefly, briefly consider. But consider uh, the flower. Uh, biblically, uh, it's called a lily. But I think uh, it could be probably any flower or maybe even... Uh, maybe it was even more of a reference to wheat or, or something that you would eat. But consider the lilies. That's a theme I want for the message today. Um, Luke 12 is where it's talked about and it also in Matthew 6. But I'm going to go to the passage of Luke 12. And... A lot of the subject that I'm going to be discussing is going to have to do with what Arlen talked about, and I'm not, I have no intention of adding or taking away, maybe adding, but more just supplementing. It's a different angle than what Arlen talked about. He talked about identity recently, and, and I think that could be included uh, very much in what I want to talk about today. But Luke 12, uh, there's a story in Luke 12. 
and it was a parable that Jesus gave. Uh, and it, it talks about a certain rich man that, and we, we're going to all be probably pretty familiar with this story, but it's, 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 a, it's a great story and it's worth revisiting where there was a man that had many possessions. He said he had his ground brought forth plentifully. So he was a successful uh, entrepreneur, right? And he had great possessions. He had provided for himself in a spectacular way. What he had decided, the business decisions he made paid off. And so he had a lot at his disposal. He had a life of ease and comfort ahead of him, but he had a problem, and his big problem was he, he didn't have enough place to store everything that he had, but he didn't want to get rid of it because down the road he probably would need it. So he, he decided, well, I'm going to just pull down my buildings that I have, and I'm going to build bigger ones, and I'll have enough room then to store all of my, my great possessions, and then... Um, you know, he looked at himself in the mirror and he said something like, well, well done, chap. Uh, you can just take it easy for a while. You've earned this. All of this is because of your hard work and the late nights and all the sacrifices that you've made. Uh, and so good job. And so you can just take it easy for the foreseeable future and live off your products, the products of your good decisions and your hard labor. So that was the plan, and that's all too often a familiar story. It's often the type of plan that we uh, sometimes have in our heads, and, and we think about you know, investments, and we think about savings, and we think about wise spending, and and often our goal is to retire well, we want to. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, my focus this morning is not on giving a right or a wrong thing. I'm just stating that's, that's a familiar thing we often do, to plan, and there's, there's wisdom in planning. The, the problem with this man is uh, he was a fool. And then after this is when Jesus told them, the ones he was giving the parable to, to consider the lilies. And it was after the story of this parable that he talked about Solomon. And Solomon would have been a man that had greater riches and greater influence and greater comforts at his disposal than this rich man that came that was in the parable the argument could be made that he was the best dressed most successful wisest man that ever lived and he talks about him after he gives the parable of this rich man that's just interesting i, I love the storyline here Why was that rich man a fool? I've, I've heard it said recently, when you look at all of the, 
all of the uh, debates, all of the, the back and forth with the upcoming presidential election, when you, when you listen to the news and, and, and all of the discussions taking place, it seems to be about a certain thing or certain things, or there's always subject matters that are being discussed. But there was a man that saw through it all and made this statement. He said, what all these discussions are really about is who's in control. Who's in control? That's the discussion that's lying behind. That's the real thing that's lying behind all of the Democrat, Republican, and everything in between, all the discussions that are taking place uh, with gender ideology and, and uh, the woke culture, you could say. Who's in control? It's a discussion about whether man's in control or whether God's in control. That's where the rich man was a fool because he thought he was in control, but God said, thou fool, tonight your soul will be required of you, and then whose will those things be that you've provided? What we're talking about this morning isn't, I don't want it to be anything deep or, I think it's profound, but it's profound in its simplicity, maybe. But look at, look at when you considered the lilies, the flowers, what did you think of when you saw them? Did you think, oh, boy, that lily really did well for itself. That's what I would call a successful lily. Or you might think of, uh, that thing was in the right soil. He made some good decisions there. Well, we, we know better than that. When we see a, a beautiful piece of God's creation, well, that's exactly what we think. What a beautiful piece of God's creation. How beautiful did God make the world? And he clothed it. He clothed the lily. Why? Why did he clothe it in its beauty? And why did he say, how could it be possibly said that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like a lily? It's interesting to think through those things, those simple truths. You know, the rich man had put in an enormous amount, you could say, of sacrifice to get where he was at. Very likely was not handed to him. We're not really told, but let's assume he worked real hard to get where he was at. So let's leave that just a little bit, and let's think of Adam and Eve. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. When they sinned, what was the first thing they did when they sinned? After they sinned, what was their response? Does anybody just want to give a comment? They hid. Okay, there's something they did before that, before they hid. They put their clothes on. I like how that it did. They just put their clothes on. Yeah. 
They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, the Bible says. So you could say that was to cover their shame, right? They saw for the first time something they had never seen before, in a way they had never seen before. Their eyes were opened, which was what the serpent told them, right? You will know good and evil. You'll become like God and know good and evil. Well, they certainly did. They, they actually realized their innocence was gone. Their, they were now perverted in their, their, the way that they looked at life. Thank you, Kenzie. We'll just lean him up here for now. And so their response to that was to cover the, their, the shame they felt, and they, they made themselves aprons. Then, when God came into the garden in the cool of the day, suddenly, what they had done to try to hide their shame made no difference whatsoever. And they ran and hid. So it was interesting to see that they ran and hid after they tried to cover their shame. And then when God called out to Adam, then he said, well, I was afraid because I was naked. But they already had tried to cover themselves. He didn't even mention that. He knew better. There was nothing that kept God from seeing his shame. Well, in a very short explanation, that's, that's where the need for sacrificing came from. I've been looking at the, the teaching of sacrifice and the, the benefits and, and what actually is, how does it interact with humanity today? But sacrifice started then because what they had to cover their sin did nothing, right? So we know that, okay, it's very common to think that God clothed them with skins. That's what the Bible says. And so we know that he killed some animals. Well, it's easy to just kind of end the conversation there. Well, that's when, that's when sacrifices first started, and then Christ came, and then he was the ultimate sacrifice. So we don't have to do sacrifices anymore. And, then, and so that's... But we can think into it a little bit more, and I think discover a lot more and understand a lot more, and maybe we can increase our knowledge of God a little bit more, which should always be our goal. Do you think God just went out and took any old sacrifice, any old animal to sacrifice? Well, we know by the sacrifices that, by the law that was given later, that it had to be, you know, even before the law, with, with the story of Adam and Eve's children, which was sometime later with Cain and Abel. So to understand Adam and Eve, let's talk about Cain and Abel a little bit. They brought of what was valuable to them, right? They brought what they were supposed to bring, what they valued, before God. They had to give it up in order to be accepted by God. And that's one thing to realize about sacrifice. It's not, it, it's not just to do with animal sacrifice. In fact, they're... Cain brought from the fruit of the ground. And, and from what we gather, he was never condemned for bringing of the fruit of the ground. But what he was condemned for was not bringing the best. Abel was accepted because he brought a more excellent sacrifice. And by all indications, he took what was most valuable to him 
and decided to give it up to be accepted by God. And what's interesting is that Cain and Abel, they were the first two children that we read of, but they already had possessions. They were working for a living. They had livestock. They had fields they, that were their possessions. They brought of their possessions. What was theirs? Well, it's no different, I don't think, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they owned the place. Right? They, the animals were, they were to have dominion over. They, they had plants and animals and everything at their disposal. They were, they were, they perhaps rivaled Solomon in possessions. It was all theirs. And so the animals that were killed, I think it's safe to say were the best they had. And it had to be that way because when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says death passed on all men for all have sinned. So what happened, it wasn't physical death that passed on all men at that point. It was spiritual death. Their spirits became dead to God. And then you might say, well, what, do you, what about physical death then? They, we also started to physically die then, didn't we? Well, I, I believe, and you may differ, may differ on that, but I really believe that physical death took place because man no longer was given access to the tree of life. That's when physical death took place. And that's what the serpent was talking about when he says, you won't surely die. They wouldn't surely physically die at that time. They began to die when they lost access to the tree of life, which is why they were driven from the garden. But spiritual death took place when they disobeyed and their spirits became dead to God. That was a spiritual death. And so it became man's nature to disobey God. And so the reason he was created, you know, the Bible uses the word glory a lot, that we are to give glory to God. And we say our highest purpose is to give glory to God. I've always had some trouble in making it practical and saying, well, how does that look like? Well, you're supposed to praise God and everything. Okay, well, I understand that. But it still didn't give me a satisfactory understanding of the word glory. There's a word that I recently, that came into my head, that for me helped me to really understand the word glory. If we were created to glorify God, the word is reflection. And that really helped me to understand that Adam and Eve, in their created state, they were created to reflect God's character on earth. So Adam, his position was a protector and a provider. And that was a reflection of who God is. Woman was created to reflect humanity which was needed in order for God to be properly reflected. She was, re she was created to reflect humanity in the equation as in the need to be provided and protected, to be provided for and protected. She was never created to reflect the Godhead. She was made to reflect humanity, but they were both equal of equal value, both were needed in order to actually properly reflect the way God interacts with humanity. That's a mouthful, and I don't blame you for uh, having your proverbial head spinning. But what happened when man sinned is the reflection was lost, 
And so man actually tried to become like God. That's what happened when they sinned. That was what the serpent promised. You'd become as God. So they actually not only, they didn't try to reflect God anymore. They're actually trying to take his place. They tried to become God. And so now man became someone to be ruled over. Man lost their created state when they sinned. Okay, we can all agree with that. So, now let's talk back in, in Luke 12. If we go back to Luke 12, we're now in the New Covenant. Redemption was happening. Redemption was happening, and man was being offered a way to come back to their created state of reflecting who God is and how he interacts with people on earth. And so we as Christians today, in this time in our lives, in 2024, we should seriously consider the lily because a lily is a reflection of man's created state. When you look at the lily, you think, what a beautiful creator. And what do, what do you think when you, you look at my life? Do you think... He did well for himself. Do you think he needs bigger storehouses? Do you think he really thinks he's somebody? He was planted in good soil. He, he didn't work a bit for what he got that was handed to him. So my heart is, is that you would look at my life and you would say, what a great God we have. What a beautiful creator. It's easy because we are humans and we're sinful humans that have been redeemed. We still know evil in that sense. So in that way, we're, we're never going to be back in our innocent created state the way Adam and Eve were. But we are still living out the reason we were created, and that is we are reflecting God's character and how he interacts with man on earth. But it's our natural tendency to worship our own identity rather than reflect who God is in the way we live our life. Just a, a Google definition of identity said this, the real identity of an individual is a complex and multifaceted concept that encompasses various aspects of their being. It involves the combination of one's unique personality traits, values, beliefs, experiences, emotions, and relationships. Basically, they're saying, we really don't know what identity is. <laughs> but as Christians, we know what identity is. We should consider the lily. How does a lily identify? They, a lily identifies as a beautiful product of a gracious and loving creator. What about us? 
You know, in the Old Covenant, man had to bring the appropriate sacrifices in order to be accepted by God. There was no other way. And the appropriate sacrifice was what was most valuable to him. That's what sacrifice is. You always have to give up something good in order to get something better. You can never give something that's subpar and expect to actually get something better than your best in return. You can't have the best and what's better. That's not how sacrifice works. You have to give your best in order to give something, something that you most value in order to get something that's better. And so that's what, that's what a relationship with Christ is. And to understand that is how you move forward, to realize that actually what Christ gives me is the ability through forgiveness, through his spirit, to be actually back in my created state. Because what you search for, what you're really looking for, what humanity is looking for, that comes out in the way that you dress and what you decide is important and what you decide to wear in your body and all of these things had to do with how you want to identify. How you want to appear to other people, but consider the lily, how it grows. It doesn't toil or spin. It doesn't work to become like it is. It's like it is because it was created that way. That's what God's heart is for you. Because whatever you create, whatever you create ends up being in its best state, in its best place, when it's living out the reason you created it. And so we as humans, if we actually are created, then everything that we seek after will have no, you're not going to be happy with it. It's not going to do what you think it will when it comes to identity, when it comes to comfort, when it comes to influence and power, all of those things. That's what the nations of the world seek after. They seek to clothe themselves. But when God clothes us, then we are back in the position we were created to be in. And then we find all the things that we were seeking after in all of those other avenues, but always fell short and always fall short. I'm going to close. I think I gave you something to think about for 2024 if you wanted something. If you didn't, then you may be in a position of, I don't know what that was about. I hope lunch is almost ready. But my heart is, is that you could seriously, the beginning of this year, consider the lily and then look at what the Bible teaches. Talking about discipline, this is my challenge to you. Build some discipline. One of the first things you do to build discipline is try yet again to get in the Bible more, to read God's Word. 
But one thing that I would, I would want you to consider is if it hasn't worked before, think about your method, think about how it went for you and why you may have failed and, you know, make it easy. There's audio, there's good dramatized audio. There's, there's Bible plans, a lot of Bible plans, but decide to have a daily intake of God's word. And then my challenge is, and this is something my children started doing. I don't, I don't they don't all do it. Uh, but they, they then, during their reading, they memorize a verse to, to stick in their head. But you're never too old to, to actually uh, to start. I read, I read through the Bible for the very first time in my life this past year. I had never read through the Bible. Even though I loved God's Word and it changed my life and I was very familiar, I would say, with New Testament scriptures. I wasn't as familiar with Old Testament, but I'm equipping myself now with Old Testament scriptures as well, and I'm seeing how they connect with the new, and I see value in the old that I hadn't seen before, and how it connects with the new now that we're in the new covenant. It's been so good, and that's my challenge. That's my offer to you to consider. I want you to consider that, uh, becoming more familiar with God's word. What it does is it slowly but surely changes the way you look at life. And you can think, how does time spent in God's word make any difference in my, my business or my career, my desires for, for what I want to do someday? Trust me, it will. It'll change. It'll change how you look at life. And what used to be important becomes less important than what you never used to think about and how you think about often. And it, it equips you for life when it gets hard to handle. The best, the best fight against anxiety and against depression is understanding. And not understanding about what ails you, but it's understanding about who God is and how he interacts with you and how much he loves you. Understanding him more will help you, I promise you, in, in all of those areas that you feel stuck in uh, because it's his wisdom that will actually help you move forward and, and nothing more than that. God bless you. Thank you for listening to uh, what I would call a, a unique uh, New Year's message. God bless you.